Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast, the official podcast of FilmPulse.net. Thanks so much for listening. This is episode number 144. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today we have Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing meh. Oh, okay. Well, I'm doing yeah. pretty good. I can't, right. I can't complain. Good. So this week on the show, we'll be reviewing the Swedish dramedy Force Majeure, the Norwegian conspiracy thriller Pioneer, and the Belgian horror movie cub look at that how's that for a eurocentric show this week this is a continental show yeah that's awesome yeah did we i know i haven't but have you uh figured out how to pronounce anyone's names (laughs) no so awesome uh, here we go we'll struggle through that in just a minute uh, we'll also be going over this week's movie predictions, new on video on demand, and DVD and Blu-ray releases. Remember, you can send us your questions to podcast at filmpulse.net or leave a comment on the site. We would love to hear from you. Now, before we get into our first review, uh, first I want to thank everybody for checking out our Film Pulse Play series on YouTube. The first episode is up now. By the time you're listening to this, the second episode will probably be up. So I'm pretty excited for everybody to see that. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, There'll be a link in the on the site. It'll be up on the site. And then you can also check out our YouTube channel. If you just type in Film Pulse, I'm sure in YouTube, it'll pull it up. I just I love uh, virtual reality. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know why that makes me laugh. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fun one to do. Uh, I got the the second episode. It's got some fun stuff in it too, and I'm already laying out the pieces for episode number three. So oh, stay boy. tuned for that. I'll probably mention that next week. Uh, first, before again, before we get into the first review, I wanted to go over some big some big trailers dropped within the last week. Now, the first one, the biggie, the biggie, Star Wars. The Force Awakens. Now, Kevin, I want you to reserve your snark for this one because when I saw I this trailer, I don't have any snark. I when I saw this trailer, I literally got chills. Uh oh. That's how into it I was, and right off the bat, I was like, "Okay, I'm sold. You sold me." 88 seconds. That's you're, that's that's also you're already in. That teaser is all I need to see too. I don't need a full trailer or anything like that. I'm already sold, and I also kind of don't want to know anything else than what they showed us in that trailer. Oh yeah. I can see that. What did you what did you think of the trailer? I mean, I it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I mean, honestly, were you surprised by how it looked? I mean, there's so I, much I money was. into it. No, but I was I was surprised because it looks like the original Star Wars trilogy and that kind of I didn't know how it was going to look. Okay. Honestly, so when I See, saw that it that had the feel of the original trilogy, I got really excited about that. And of course, you know, they show the Millennium Falcon and that got me amped up. But just that opening, that opening sequence with um, uh, what's his name? The guy from Attack the Block. Now, see, this is kind of different for me because I'm, you know, I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. I, hell, I just watched the original trilogy, <laughs> what, like last year. So, I mean, for me. Again, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be. I'm like, oh yeah, the effects look good. And that's, but I knew they were going to. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I didn't I'm know. What, I see. didn't know what to expect. Honestly. Well, you know that the 
the effects aren't going to look like shit. There's way too much money in it. Well, actually, that leads us into a good segue for the next trailer that came out this week, and that's Jurassic World, uh, the uh. Colin Trevorrow, the new Jurassic Park. Uh, now, he did say that the effects work in that trailer. They're unfinished, unfinished effects. Uh, Which I'm sure I he would say that I'm sure that that's how <laughs> that's that, exactly it could his be response, yeah given the backlash of what the effects look like because they look like shit I'm sorry yeah, I thought that they looked look, I thought they looked really bad no they do not look that good. scene with the the creature coming out of the water and eating the shark yeah come on that was awful. also why would you feed a shark to that creature you would think that they would feed them something else. There's more yeah, readily yeah. available, like a cow. Or maybe, you know, just other dinosaurs. Because it's yeah. used to eating other dinosaurs. That's true. That is true. That's a good point. I'm not sure why you would feed it a great white shark. But, but that's not even the biggest question. Why the fuck would you genetically modify I know. dinosaurs? <laughs> I know. Like, what's the, what's the point of that? I mean, did they, did they learn nothing from the other experiences? Okay, well, let's, let's take... Let's. I'll, I'll go... I'll buy into the fact that, you know, that this is like a complete reboot that because I'm not even sure what the storyline behind this one is. So the other ones never existed. This is, you know, starting fresh. But still, is, is that the case? Why? I don't have no idea. I don't I'm think hoping, so. Because if, if it's not, it doesn't make any fucking no, sense. No, I'm pretty whatsoever. I'm pretty sure this is a straight up sequel. OK, well, then that's <laughs> idiotic. But furthermore, if OK, if you're going to genetically modify dinosaurs, now, I'm not sure what exactly they do, but it seems like they put two... Yeah, uh, it's like a hybrid. A hybrid dinosaur of two, like, just dangerous, dangerous dinosaurs, yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be, like, modifying, like, a T-Rex with, like, a more docile dinosaur to try and get, like, a docile T-Rex? That would like, be the smart you... thing. <laughs> and once you figure out, like, oh, shit, this one's aggressive, kill it, and then try again. Or just genetically modify it. one of the herbivore dinosaurs yeah, like two, the ones that aren't herbivores. gonna <laughs> the, the <laughs> ones that aren't everyone. gonna escape and kill everyone but no they uh, you know obviously that's not gonna make for a good movie but still it just doesn't make any sense something tells me that bryce dallas howard's gonna be the granddaughter of of oh, uh sure. what's his name hammond the guy from the original ones uh, he was I'm in the sure. first and third Something tells me that's that's going to be. But I did like the fact did did uh, did Chris Pratt have like an army of velociraptors? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. (laughs) Maybe that's one of the good hybrids. I don't know. Velociraptors. I'm not sure what that's all about. But they're domesticated, (laughs) turned into an army. Needless to say, I'm a little bit more apprehensive on Jurassic World than I am Star Wars. The other question I have to ask from beginning of the trailer like what parents just send their kids off to jurassic world like it looks like they do not go with them they're just like go to a park with dinosaurs have fun i don't know if this is fact or speculation but i think that maybe their parents aren't around yeah like their parents died or something or maybe it was a make a wish could be yeah who knows either way i'm hoping for the best with that one but my expectations are significantly lower now that that trailer came out. Ah, <laughs> uh, goodness. All right, let's go ahead and hop into our first review for the day. We're talking about Force Majeure. This is directed by Ruben Ostland. Uh, I have a, tri- a synopsis here. 
A family on a ski holiday in the French Alps find themselves staring down an avalanche during lunch one day. In the aftermath, their dynamic has been shaken to its core with a question mark hanging over their patriarch in particular. Now, I guess I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start it off with this one. I like this movie quite a bit. Okay. Quite a bit. Oh. I'm kind of, I'm kind of crushing on Force Majeure right now. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm crushing on it. I love the dynamic in how this all, I like how they set the stage with this, with this. So the premise is they're, they're on a ski vacation, like the synopsis says, and there's in this resort, they do controlled avalanches, I guess, in order to keep mm-hmm. it, keep it safer for the people. And one of these controlled avalanches gets a little bit too close to where they're eating and people think that it's going to hit them. And the husband, I don't think this is a big spoiler or anything. Instead of protecting the kids, just by instinct, the mother shields her children. And mm-hmm. the father picks up his phone off the table and runs. He pulls a, he pulls a Costanza and just <laughs> knocks everybody over and hightails it out of there. Leaving, leaving the kids and the mom. And... At first, she kind of shrugs it off, but it starts to eat away at her. And she, and she starts to think about it more and more. And then he kind of makes things worse. Oh, he, he, he exacerbates the situation by first denying that he did that, which <laughs> it was completely ridiculous. And then kind of shrugging it off. But then finally, he just completely loses his shit. Yeah. Over, over what mostly, he did. mostly because he had he, he unknowingly caught it all on his phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. Once, once the proof was was uh, was shown, that's when he totally lost it. And I love, I just love how it was this seemingly small event that just exposed this larger problem of trust in this relationship. But more, more so, I love the fact that this event was like a virus that spread to the other couples that they talked to and met with on it too. Like there was that other couple, like his buddy and his buddy's girlfriend, and they ended up getting in an argument over it because they started talking about their trust and what they think that they would have done in that situation. Yeah. And I liked, I liked the idea of this one thing kind of spreading, like spreading its blackness. <laughs> Now, see, for me, I'm not crushing on this movie, but I will agree that that was the most interesting point of the whole film. I did thoroughly enjoy how the other couple, when they come over for for dinner, oh, and God. she brings it up a second time, once again, brings it up, just interrupts the other woman's story, just right. so, tells, tells the story, Yeah, uh, that's when the phone comes out and the proof is shown to him. So it's not shown just to him like right, alone. Right. It's shown in front of other people. So that makes it a lot worse. And then, yeah, that turns into, they end up getting into a whole thing of hypotheticals. And like you said, what would you do in that situation? And, of course, the male in that group or in that couple takes offense to some of the responses. And then it's like a whole night-long argument. Yeah. Just on hypotheticals. But But I was thinking about it. You know, I was thinking about... If I was in that situation, and of course, my my first thought was, of course, I'm going to protect my family. 
I don't care about my phone. <laughs> you know, it's like, but at the same time, you have that thing in the back of your mind that you're thinking, it's a split second reaction. I don't know what I do. I mean, you can't say for certain that this is what you would do. Oh no, that's the and that's the ridiculousness. But of the interesting thing, the interesting thing about that argument between the other couple was that yes, it was all in hypotheticals, but just the fact that she said, "I think that you wouldn't protect me," like just that. Well, I was think nagging it, it, on him so bad. Well, it wasn't only or, that, or but it was said, the fact that yeah, the other guy, the other guy. Yeah, she <laughs> said like, that she said that the other guy that she knows would. Yeah, and to him that really upset him because the other guy is. It sounds like he was like a twenty-year-old like mm-hmm. nobody that didn't you know didn't do anything. Yeah, the fact that he ranked lower than that guy, and I, and I was thinking that would nag on me too. I wouldn't be able to drop that argument. It would just, <laughs> it would just eat away at me, and I, I would have to keep bringing it up and keep hammering away at this argument. And that's, I thought that was the most endearing thing about. I mean, that's the whole point of this movie. And I like that. The the only thing for me is the whole like the myth of the heroic man and everything. I just don't. I don't feel like they really added anything to it. I thought they just kind of brushed on it. Like I said, I thought it was. Very interesting when it goes into the other couple and you see how it affects them, but then they drop that and it's back to the original married couple and just they just keep going, dragging it on and on and on, but never really adding anything to it. At least I thought. But that's that's kind of the nature of these types of arguments. There's never going to be, there can never be a resolution until both sides just say, all right, let's just drop it. Let's just end it. Because it's just a never-ending cycle of her being upset with him, him being upset with himself, and nothing can be done to resolve it. Although, towards the end of the movie, something does happen that sort of resolves it. And that I probably could have done without. But Because there's essentially two things that happen at the end that kind of culminate towards the resolution. And the first thing that happens... I, I probably could have done without that because I didn't even really understand what was what Which, her deal was during that. What are you talking about? When they're skiing and he and he carries her. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, what did she twist her ankle? What like I don't even know what happened there. Yeah, I think there's some ambiguity there. It's kind of leaves it up to you. Either way, I could have done without. I that. think it, you know that was supposed to be like his redemption. Yeah, moment. yeah, but I didn't I didn't feel like. It didn't feel natural. It, it, it felt. It felt like it just happened too perfectly. That the that they were in well, that maybe, exact I mean, situation. Maybe it wasn't natural. Well, that's true. Maybe she. Maybe, that's maybe, that's actually a good point. Maybe she framed it that way. To see what just to do. see what happened. If you could just take the kids and go back and wait for her or something. <laughs> well, they'd be. He is kind of a dick in this. Oh yeah. No, he he is kind of. Especially the scene when he just completely breaks down and starts wailing like a child. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because she wants him to open up about it and just, you know, admit and discuss it. And he won't and he won't and it's nagging her and nagging her. And then he finally breaks down and lets loose. And then you can see her just like complete 180 like, oh my God, shut up. Yeah. Go back, go back to just being... She the, well, she the probably, stereotypical man that doesn't show emotion or talk. She about probably things. didn't imagine that it would be to no, that degree. Well, that's kind of the thing. Like, be careful what you ask for. Well, the other thing during that that whole 
breakdown that he has, he does say that he has been unfaithful to her. And I yeah. feel and she never questioned that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe she already knew and that was just something that they didn't that they got through before. Yeah. But I was curious about that. But the the underlying message is be like their woman friend in the movie who just doesn't care. Yeah. I love just how that's whatever she does. Yeah. I love how she just doesn't even bother getting off the bus. <laughs> she, Cause that would be me. I'd be like, well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to walk the whole way down that mountain. Are you kidding me? Now, what'd you think of uh, the visuals? Cause I was crushing on the visuals in this movie too. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed all the, the skiing shots and sequences especially the way that they got some of those, those, you know, far up overhead shots and then the skiing shots themselves. All of that looked beautiful. I mean, the backdrop of this movie, this, this ski resort. <clears throat> oh, I want to go to the ski resort. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's amazing. It is a bit ridiculous. Um, I was surprised that Brady Corbett just shows up. Yeah, for a little bit. I don't know <laughs> He just pops up, confused as all hell, and mm-hmm. he's gone. Uh, the one thing about this movie, normally I like awkward comedies. They're definitely <laughs> within my wheelhouse, but this takes awkward to a whole new level, at least for me. It was so awkward. Almost every interaction was just, you're just like, oh, you just want it to be over. For me, I didn't really think, unless I'm missing something, I didn't really see it that much comedy in this, except for when he cries, because that was just <laughs> hilarious. And... When he's brushing his teeth and he tries to make that display of like putting the toilet seat down and it has no effect on her and he just screams out no <laughs> as she walks out of the bathroom. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And that was it, really. I didn't really see much comedy. I didn't laugh at all, but I felt the comedy. The music cues were definitely used for comedic effect. Oh, yeah, that's true. And... Just some of the scenes, like them all brushing their teeth together, and there's some quirkiness to it. And I and I feel like during some of the more awkward moments, just the look on the other people's faces and stuff, I think yeah. was was supposed to be humorous. But uh, I think it's way more awkward than awkward funny. Now I have to ask, given the subject matter at hand, did you watch it with your significant other? No, I didn't. I did, uh, but I thought about that, and I kind of wish that I would have watched it with her, so we could have just to, discussed just to see whose side. Well, people take. I think most people take the mom's side in this situation. I mean, what did you? What, what were I, your? I, I yeah, I watched it with my wife, and it was interesting because the second time she brings it up, you know, when the other couple's over in their hotel room for well, the, yeah. She brings it up again, and my wife is just like, oh my god, would you shut up? Well, that, that was completely inappropriate. That she, sh- I think she had a right to be upset over the situation, but I don't think bringing think, yeah. it up in front of other people, that's a private matter. I mean, you got to think about your guests in that situation. They don't want to be there for that. And then he, his friend ends up turning into like a therapist <laughs> yeah. and trying to like make sense of it, and he's kind of giving them outs here and there. But yeah, that was just, there's a time and a place. I like, I did like how he tried to rationalize it by saying it was like when you're on a plane and the oxygen bags come down, they always say to put yours on first. He's like, you were probably going to leave and then go back to dig them out. Well, and uh, and he, well, he doesn't really say it, but 
I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to speculate, I guess. But I was going to say is, you know, he's probably thinking, but this, the avalanche isn't going to hit where we're sitting. He Maybe he could tell that it was just dust, snow dust, aftermath. So he's just like, oh, let me get out of here. And then he's kind of looking at her like, why the hell did you stay? Yeah, the the only thing that made me question the whole the whole thing was how quickly he just hightailed it out of there. And he did push someone out of the way, too. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and That's then the, true, he did. And then just, I think the fact that he tried to say that he didn't do that, yeah, that, well, that yeah, made that it a lot worse. worse. That definitely made it worse. But again, that was because it was brought up in front of other people. She never brings it up in private. Right, and that that's a big problem. I don't think she should have done that at all. Just to... That's a private conversation. And she just ambushes them with it. Yeah. It's exactly. just like she just interrupts two conversations. That was, yeah. Make this point. That was funny because the, the other girl was actually telling a story and she just completely flat out interrupts her. Mm-hmm. And was just like, we're in an avalanche. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they just like pause for a little bit. Yeah. Like, is there more to your story? But I, I was reading a little bit about, I guess, the some of the background information of how this movie came about from Oslin. And I guess it stemmed from him doing a little bit of research because of the myth of the her- heroic man that, you know, everyone has the sense of that's what a man does. And during his research, he found that that's not the case, that lifeboats were almost always filled with men. And they always just saved themselves and didn't give a shit about women and children. So that's what sort of brought this story on, mm-hmm. which well, is kind of interesting. I think that, I think I'm that not it's surprised a, at all. No, I'm not either. And I think that it is an interesting topic. And they do discuss it in the movie. When you're faced in a situation like that, it's easy to be disconnected from it, watching it onto a, on a movie and saying... What is that guy doing? He's grabbing his phone. He's and he's running away like a puss, like a puss puss. <laughs> and so it's easy to say that, but when you're in that situation, it literally happens in a split second, and you do go into survival mode at that point. You know, self preservation. Yeah. And I, I honestly do think that I would protect my family, but. I don't know. Unless I'm in that situation, you can't say for sure. Well, yeah. That's why I never I never understand why people get, why they discuss hypotheticals, and furthermore, why they get upset right. discussing hypotheticals. It never makes, ne- has never made sense to me, ever. I just don't get it. It's impossible to say what you're going to do. I, think I mean, it, we talked about it when we discussed the movie Circles. You remember? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I would love to think that I would just jump in there and just save and, the and day. Help, but if help him, yeah. yeah, I have no fucking idea what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, in, in this specific case, I think that I probably would have, uh, you know, tried to block my kids or or pick one of the kids up and say, let's get out of here and, and run with the kid. But I don't know. Mm. It certainly makes for an interesting <laughs> conversation, this movie. Slightly, yeah. I don't know. It's just, I I don't know what it is about this movie. And I kind of touched upon in my Letterboxd review that I don't care about, like, masculinity or, like, what it means to be a man or any of that stuff. So I don't know if that's, like, keeping me, holding me back from appreciating this movie. I don't know what it is. I'm just kind of, like, in the middle. I'm like, yeah, it's a decent movie. Well, 
it's well See, done, but I don't think they really they just sort of touch on the surface of things and they don't really get into anything. And that, and that's one way of looking at it that this hero mentality or masculinity or you're the you're the alpha of the pack, so to speak. Yeah. But the way that I looked at it was it's it's your family and you by instinct you should want to protect your family. And the fact that he grabbed his phone, that's another important factor of this. The fact that he didn't just run away. He grabbed his phone off the table, then ran away. I thought he already had the phone in his hand because he was taking video. No, he, he. I think he set it down. No, okay. Because they, she even mentions that he picks up his phone and runs away. But I think that that's an important thing with this as well, to, to look at the fact that his work, and they allude to it earlier in the movie, that he seems to be very consumed with his work. And that he that she may already be concerned that his work is more important than his family. And so I think well, that that's an important distinction too. Well, if they want to go on expensive ski trips, guess what he has to do? He has to work. That's true. So come on now. That's true. But to me, cause also the mom protected the kids. She shielded the kids from it. So I don't know if it's just a masculinity thing as much as it is just sticking with your family. Well, it is a gender. It's a gender role within the family, you know, that he's supposed to be the protector. Now, if you flip it and she ran off, you know, people would be, it'd be slightly different, but at the same time, the same, she would just be, you know, attacked for, you know, what kind of mother are you? Right. Because as a mother, you're expected, just expected to protect your kids in that situation. Maybe that's what they should have done. Because then they would have, then they would have put less of a focus on the whole gender role issue because i was at first when the avalanche happens and then the first time that it's brought up i thought okay this is interesting because it's kind it's kind of going to be like the loneliest planet type deal Mm -hmm. but it's going to be from the male perspective so it's going to be you know you know kind of the flip side of the loneliest planet but i think they just to me they got too much into the masculinity thing like where him and his buddy go out for a ski trip day of their own and then that one time where he's just like walking around and the that was fun herd of guys come i thought out that was funny just, i didn't <laughs> understand did, that I, at all no i didn't understand it at all either and i love how they just kind of pick him up he's just walking you know a slow walking with like charlie brown music playing and in my head and <laughs> a herd of dude bros come and just scoop him up it gets whisked away to a Dance rave. Which was horrifying. If I was whisked up into that situation, I'd freak out and run away. I'd run away from that. Oh, yeah. Well, like that, I couldn't even, I couldn't tell if that, like, did that actually happen? I think it happened. Or was that, I I don't know. It just seemed kind of pointless to me. I'm not sure what he was trying to say there. Uh, I'm not either, actually. I don't know if that was kind of a, more of a statement on the whole alpha male. It was, it was him getting back into touch with his masculinity. I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I don't either. Either way, I still really enjoyed this movie. I'm going to give Force Majeure an 8 out of 10. Holy shit. I give it a 6. Okay. I just I wasn't that impressed. Well, there you have it. Check it out. It's playing in Suck Cities now. All right. For our second movie, we're going to be talking about the Norwegian thriller Pioneer. This is directed by... Eric's, oh boy, oh boy, 
This is gonna be okay. Eric Skolge, man, I I can't even. I apologize. Skolgeberg, sure. Eric Skolgeberg. So this, uh, I have a synopsis here for this. This conspiracy thriller is set in the early '80s, the beginning of the Norwegian oil boom. Enormous oil and gas deposits are discovered in the North Sea, and the authorities aim to bring the oil ashore through a pipeline from depths of 500 meters. So this is directed by the same guy that did the original Insomnia, right? Correct. And you saw that the other one that he did, the one that was... uh, Yeah, Nocus. Yeah. But I've seen now on Letterboxd that I don't know if that is in America now because it's been changed to Hold Up. Which is a terrible title. It must have got some sort of American release. So, Kevin, we'll start with you on this one. What did you think of Pioneer? Uh, I'm kind of stuck in between on this one as well. Because mm-hmm. there's, number one, conspiracy thriller. It's It doesn't really feel like one. Well, but then was... again, it is it is interesting watching these European thrillers in the sense that they're never bombastic and high octane like American movies are. They're more of a subdued nature mm-hmm. and just kind of you know straightforward. And they don't have the ridiculous music like the pulse pounding and the ratchet up the tension and everything. Yeah. So there's a part of me that appreciates that, but at the same time, in Pioneer, it almost feels like it's subdued to the point where it's muted. Where there's, I just, I got no sense of urgency in this story. Yeah. Like, there's just, I don't know what the stakes are. It's because the way that it's set up, it's not that urgent. He's he's just trying to uncover. So let's just set it up real quick. So I thought that this was going to be all about these guys going down, deep sea diving, working on this, this oil, uh, this oil pipeline. And things go wrong, and it's like that. I didn't realize that it was like this, where the bulk of the movie is not underwater. The bulk of the movie is him trying to uncover, so there's an accident that occurs when they're down there. And he believes that it it wasn't really an accident. And he's trying to uncover what caused this to happen and who was behind it. And I think that's a really interesting premise it's just different than i thought it would be yeah and i mean i knew going in because i've seen nocus and i know how the director works because nocus was you know it was a heist movie but just steeped in realism yeah so there was there was none of that i knew going in that there wasn't going to be you know the music to like the musical cues that you know the tension's building up and all that kind of thing so i knew that that wasn't going to be there but at the same time it just sort of dumps you in and I, I have a feeling that a lot of this stems from the fact that we're Americans. And it, doing a little bit of research after watching this movie, this is widely known throughout Norway. It's a huge deal. Well, so uh, it should also be mentioned that Americans were heavily involved with yes. this as well. And it, that was, like a, it was like a, a U.S.-Norway combined effort to get this oil. Yeah, which plays a huge role towards the end once they start to uncover what's going on. Yeah. So... And I think that kind of plays a part that I don't know about the story. So we're just kind of thrown in. They're working on this pipeline. Something happens. He's trying to figure it out. But at the same time, you just don't really, like like I said, I don't know what the stakes are here. I don't know what he's trying to uncover. And it doesn't really seem like anyone's 
else is interested in it, uncovering this. And I don't well, know what the implications are if he does uncover it. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, I don't know what's at stake here. And except I, I, for him just trying to figure out what happened. So there's there's a lot of characters in this movie that are involved in this this whole endeavor. And I had an issue or some a, a slight issue with the motivations behind some of their actions. There's one thing that happens towards the end of the movie where they just they almost straight up kill a guy. And the whole time I'm like, why are they involved in this? Why are they doing this? I mean, they're just they're just standing like the one guy's just kind of standing idly by while, and letting them kill this person. And that I was just the whole time I was like, what are the motivations behind this? I mean, obviously the higher ups in the company are kind of trying to sweep everything under the rug and make sure that they get that oil. Got to get that oil. But that oil. but some of the <laughs> the scientists and things like that, it's just like, man, why are they, why are they doing this? And Wes Bentley, I, I had a lot of questions yeah, yeah. regarding his character because he was so erratic in his personality one second he's a bully and a dick and he always seemed to be first of all it was a big red herring with him too mm-hmm. yeah and yeah. i don't i'm not gonna give anything away because i think there's a lot of cool twists and stuff that happened in this but maybe even saying that gave too much away <laughs> but they make you think that he's one thing and he's not but then he's still kind of a bully and his character, I thought, was really odd. <laughs> I have to say, given that it's a U.S.-Norway uh, collaboration to get this oil and stuff, and like you said, Wes, Wes is kind of, he's shown as <clears throat> like a, just a huge asshole. Yeah, he's just this I mean, this arrogant guy is just, American. And he's violent, and he's just, he doesn't seem like a diver, really. So, but throughout the whole movie, I'm just sitting there kind of like fingers crossed, like, oh, please don't let the U.S. be the bad guys. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, come on. I was kind of hoping that, too. And Wes Bentley kind of does redeem himself because when they go on the second dive, it seemed like he was all business. You mm-hmm. know, it's it was like that's when I realized, OK, this guy is a professional because he clearly had a problem with the main character. And the two of them go down on this dive together and it was like he he put that behind him, and I I was very happy to see that happen. <clears throat> now I will say the initial dive when the accident happens, I thought that that was fantastic. That was really for me the only sequence in which there was tension for me watching the film. Yeah, that, that got my pulse pounding a little bit. Well, I Just, think that this kind of goes into <clears throat> the visuals of the movie. I. Any of the underwater stuff, I thought that they that was shot incredibly. I loved all of the underwater stuff. There's a scene that happens uh, towards the end of the movie where he's underwater and there's all these bubbles uh, coming coming down and just the way that that looked was awesome. Oh yeah, with and, the, ex- the explosion when it yeah like yeah. And I I loved uh, I loved how anytime they were underwater in their little pod thing and when they were in their pressurized tanks you could always see the gas did you mm-hmm. notice that yes yes he does he they all put the imagery like, during the like the decompression chambers or you know when they're diving and stuff everything has this like warbled look to it yeah which is you can tell. which is a lot of the movie a lot of the movie takes place in these pressure tanks and that plays a big big part of the movie because they have to stay in these tanks for two weeks 
in order to avoid uh, depressurized, was it depressurization sickness? Is that what they call it? Oh, God damn it. Now I forget what it's called. Well, either way, they have to stay in the tank for two weeks in order to avoid that. So a lot of the movie is in these little tanks and just how they, everything was hazy when, when they showed that. And I thought that that was a really cool uh, little, just a little touch, just a little nice little visual touch to add. But I would say overall, I thought the look of the movie was great. It did have kind of a seventies, eighties, Oh yeah, prime thriller vibe to it. Just the the outfits and everything. That was the only thing that kind of got me a little bit was the it looked too seventies that point where there was so many pull ins and pull outs and you know how they kept zooming. It was just like, yeah, I get it. It's the Uh, the seventies. I I know, I know. I figured you would be like, yeah, I love that shit. Except the fact that the money. There's a scene where a large amount of money is exchanged. And the money is new money. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't notice that. Yeah, it's the new money. And that instantly pulled me out of it. And I was like, come on. Couldn't just get old money? <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a big deal if they didn't zoom in on the actual yeah, the bills. Actual. <laughs> now, I will have to say that this movie was, um, it was enough that I immediately started researching this. Because that was my first. Yeah, it is a, that, that I explained. You know, that me as an American, I don't, I don't know anything about this. So I wanted to see, like, it, you know, is this a huge deal? Is this widely known in Norway? You know, that all that kind of stuff. And reading about this, holy shit, they treated these divers like shit. It's a, it's crazy. Also, in the synopsis, it says <clears throat> five hundred meters, but I'm pretty sure in the movie it was either three hundred twenty or three hundred sixty. Well, in real life, they regularly worked below 400 meters. That's crazy. And numerous, numerous people have died. Numerous people have brain damage, uh, lung disease, post-traumatic stress. Like, so many, a, a large number of things that are affecting these people. That's the real life people that had to go through this. Well, and they, they just sort of cast them off. You know, they made, Norway ended up making a shit ton of money out of this. Just mm-hmm. a huge oil boom. And then they just refused to pay for these guys' medical expenses and just sort of pushed them off to the side, even though they're the ones that made all this happen. Yeah, that's uh, it's crazy. And they do touch on that in the movie, too. The brain damage and stuff like that, the effects of doing this and the crazy gas that they have to breathe when they're down there. Yeah, in order for them to actually be able to do this. Yeah, because if is this like a special blend of gas that basically keeps them conscious yeah exactly <laughs> i mean that that alone you should be like okay maybe i don't want to do this well in the <laughs> if thing i have to breathe this special gas to just keep me alive and awake well the thing about you know the government and the, this company and everything is they play on that they play on these divers because these divers are like setting records and getting you know some publicity for being pioneers you know so they're sort of playing on that and using that against them. That they're not really questioning this stuff. They just want to push the limits and be, you know, the guys that did it. Right, because they before doing this, they are divers. Yeah. So that's they're not just generic oil oil workers. They're actual deep sea divers. And they they also explored that in the movie too, how at the beginning when they were on TV and stuff, you could tell that 
they were in it for the glory. Yeah. They were all about diving. It wasn't really about making money and anything along those lines. So naturally they want to be, you know, the first to be pressurized at 500 meters. Yeah. And and there was a big, there was a big argument over that in the movie, whether uh, Norway or America went down first. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. I think if looking at a filmmaking standpoint, like just judging on the film and not the story that it's about, and everything that goes into it. I just, you know, I thought it was a little bit lacking. It was a little dry. I guess I just wanted more with the thriller aspect. There's one scene where he has to break into their work and steal some files, and you think that that's going to be kind of a tense moment. And then it's just, eh. it's over like that. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> like he just gets it and leaves. And you're like, oh, no, right then? Like, is there going to be tension anywhere? It reminded me of a Most Wanted Man or Tinker Tailor, one of these thrillers that is just maybe a little bit too realistic, where nothing really happens. It's just, like, pretty slow and plodding, and uh, the the ramifications of what's happening, because it's so funny, because he goes in to steal this file... And he's all covert about it. And then everybody finds out that he has the file anyway. And they're just like, come on. Yeah. No, yeah no, and no one cares. Like, no one tries to get it back from him. Yeah. It just feels just weird. Can't. A lot of it just kind of feels weird how, how all of it plays out. All right. Pioneer. I still recommend it. This actually opens in select cities um, next weekend. So check it out. Kevin, what are you going to score Pioneer? I'm going to score Pioneer. Oh, I want to say like like a six or a seven, maybe a six. Then I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and give Pioneer. I'm teetering between a six and a half and a seven. I think that the underwater sequences are worth seeing this in the theater. So, uh, you know what? I'll, I'll say seven. I'll give it seven? a seven. Yeah. All right. Nice. And you're sticking with a six? I'm going to go with the six and a half. A six and a half. Okay. Let's split the difference. Got it. Yep. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to our final review of the day. We're talking about Cub. This is a Belgian movie. Belgian Belgian horror movie. Getting into it. It's directed by Jonas Govartz. Fantastic. I have a synopsis here. Overimaginative 12-year-old Sam heads off to the woods to summer scout camp with his pack convinced he will encounter a monster. And he does. That's uh-huh. So this one, I guess I'll start it on I'll start it off. Yeah, you start it. You start it. Now I'm a big I'm a big horror fan. Big horror movie guy. And when I started watching this, I was kind of digging this premise. I was really digging it. And for the bulk of the movie, almost the entire movie actually, I was totally on board. I thought that everything about this visually looked great. <clears throat> Uh, the this is definitely a movie that pushes the envelope. This is a movie that will probably offend a lot of people, and there's one scene in particular, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna say what it is because I think that people should know that there is a an extended sequence of a dog being murdered in this movie, and they don't show they don't directly show it, but you can hear it, and it's all it's implied. <laughs> But in, in in a way, it made it even harder to watch for me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else. 
And you go with the dog. I do go with the dog. I do there's go a, with the dog. There's a tent full of kids. The, don't, don't. And you go with the dog. Yeah, don't give that. Don't give that part away. But I'm gonna go with the dog. Because you said pushing the envelope, and I thought, oh yeah, he's gonna talk about how they that, went But that's there. not. That's not the only thing. But I'm saying that the part that really got me, and the part that got a lot of people that uh, saw yeah. this at the festivals, I think this premiered at TIFF, and then it played a Fantastic Fest. And the big thing out of Fantastic Fest is people were like, okay, that went a little bit too far. That movie went a little bit too far. Now, the only thing that I did like about this, that sequence, now, Grant, I don't like seeing a dog being beaten to death, but the fact that most of the movie that you're feeling sympathetic for the Sam kid. Well, okay. And it, it, that and does kind of like place was, you a little because he stops it, that, and then he gets into it, and then you're like, "Oh shit!" Like, that what was, the hell am I supposed to feel about this kid? That was the next thing I was going to say. I I hated that scene, and I thought it was completely over the top, but it worked within the context of the movie. It added to the narrative, and I think that if they took that scene out, I don't think the movie would have been as effective because there was a big. There was a big uh, character arc that took place right at that moment. That was when you could see there was a change that was happening. And I think that that, in the end, I think that that made the scene very effective and added to the movie. Uh, It was still hard to watch, though. I mean, yes, very much so. And there's, there's more things that happen in this movie. Essentially, it's all preteen kids, it's a group of Cub Scouts. And they're being hunted and killed by these crazy, uh, a feral child and some kind of weird. Which I, yeah, I didn't know that. I thought that there was just a killer out in the woods. And then I'm get, I, you know, I'm introduced to a feral child at first. And I'm like, wearing oh, a tree mask. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, okay. So it's a feral child. Apparently I got that wrong. But then there's another scene where a guy shows up and I'm just like, wait, there's two? Yeah, there's like, two what of the, them. What the hell's happening? <laughs> And uh, the feral child's one thing, but you definitely don't want to cross the older guy because no, you he, don't. There's ugh, woof. So there is a lot of child on child violence in this movie, and adult on child violence. There's just yeah, a lot they, of over the top violence in this movie, and it's not done in a campy way. At least I didn't. I didn't feel like it was that campy. I no. felt that it was pretty brutal and pretty horrific. In the way that it was presented, yeah, I mean the the bef- after the whole dog <clears throat> scene, the you know the owner of the dog just stands or you know sits on top of Sam and just punches him in oh, the face. Oh, just beats the shit out of him. But I will say that the scene that that took that takes place after that, when he's just kind of standing there and staring at the fire, I thought I, I liked that a lot. The way that they presented that, yeah, which goes back to the visuals. I love I pretty much loved how this movie looked in all all aspects. Now, I've seen a million and a half movies where there's a killer in the woods and people are being hunted in the woods, but I thought that this was a pretty fresh take on it and it just looked great. Um the crazy well, nest the, in the tree. Yes, which we didn't even get to like the biggest thing about this movie is the fact that the the killer in the woods. Yeah. Is, Booby traps. Booby traps everywhere. Elab- All over the world. Insanely elaborate booby traps that puts Kevin McAllister to shame. Yeah, these are 
unbelievable the fr- when you see him play out. Yeah, and that's one- half of the joy of watching this movie is just to see how these like what what how do the traps play out? And the- then you think at one point the trap is over, but there's a second step to the trap yeah. that's triggered. It's like a crazy Rube Goldberg machine that happens and there's yes the multiple works. things that that occur and they're very elaborate too extremely i did like that when the one uh go-kart tracksuit guy when he was when he lost his keys and he sees the keys i like the fact that even though those characters were basically just throwaway padding for the killers mm-hmm. i like the fact that even though he was also an idiot too but the fact that he was cautious about it like he didn't just blindly grab the keys he was looking around he was scoping it out seeing what was going on and it's still got him. well see that's that's the funny thing because that's what ends up doing it, it would have been better if he just ran over and picked up the keys and left exactly nothing yeah. would have happened to him yeah poor guy so that's that's what you get don't be curious just get your shit and run now you're especially when you see like some sort of something run past you and grab the keys out of your hand. I'm sure you got like a glimpse of it. I'm sure you weren't thinking like, oh shit, a deer grabbed keys out of my hand. Deers can't do that. So you know that it's like some <laughs> fucking thing. I would be like, well, oh, shit, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, I'm just gonna leave. I did like the the addition of the key fob thing, the whistle, the alarm, the little whistle oh, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I like this that. Is, yeah. So not only does he have. The entire woods booby trapped. He is down in what seems like, like a, a couple of train cars or something going on here. It looked like a World War II bunker or something. Yeah. So he has like a hollowed out subway car, whatever the hell it is, that's elaborately set up too, that he has warning systems set up for all of his booby traps. So when one of them goes off, he knows which one it is, and then he can go there and take care of business. I mean, like this is elaborate (laughs) it it is a very elaborate system now this was also this was different it's not what i thought it was going to be like i thought it was going to be a group of i thought it was going to be that the kids the kids going to be setting the traps and stuff yeah i thought that they were going to like duke it out most of the kids don't do anything no except for one thing and it's just mostly sam yeah but he there's no they don't have any contraptions that they make or anything along those lines. That was a little bit disappointing for me. I think if I went into it knowing that it was going to be like this, I would have been okay with it. But because the scouts play such a small role for the most part, uh, I was a little disappointed. I wanted to see more of them using their scouting knowledge. I know. That's what I thought it was going to be. come up with some things, you know. I thought that that would be cool, but... The way that it plays out, I wasn't entirely. I didn't. It's not that I di- disliked how it played out. Uh, I will say that as the movie progressed, especially in the final act, it did get to be kind of a typical slasher, and it. I didn't feel like it. I didn't think that the final act was as strong as the first two. No, put it that way. No, it did. It dropped a little bit. I mean, you can tell that he was, he's trying to go for like an homage type deal. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it pulls you out a little bit because there's one sequence or one plot turn that, I mean, you, not only do you have to suspend belief, you just got to throw it out the window yeah. and just be like, okay, we are done believing any of this. Let's just, let's go for it. 
The interesting thing about the Sam character, though, is that we never really get to know what his backstory is. Because we know that there's something there. There's a conversation that the three counselors have at the, the first night that they're camping, and they allude to him not being right for some reason, but they don't really... Yeah, they, they say really that he had like a violent past or something, but they don't really go into... What... Yes, we don't really know what's going on with him. And I think that just that fact kind of makes up for what happens. But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I, I I guess I could just take it or leave it, that whole thing. I wasn't that into the what happens at the end. The I did love... End. I thought one of the coolest... I don't know if it was a trap or what, but how they faked the cars. Yeah. The, that was awesome. Yeah. Like like I said, it's elaborate. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought they were cars too. And then when she gets up there and they sort of show, you know, they show the contraption, you're like, oh, fuck. What? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are you kidding me? Now, you're not, you're not too into slasher movies. How did you take this one? Did you find I, it to be disturbing with... Because, I mean, the violence in this movie is pretty intense. It is pretty intense. Um, <clears throat> I, didn't, I didn't have too much of a problem with this movie. Because it wasn't, it wasn't just out and out, just, you know, limbs being severed, stabbing faces and blowing arms off and all that kind of craziness. A lot of those things do happen, though, in this movie. I don't remember seeing that much. Except for a guy getting stabbed in the eye, which I was just like... Zombie, <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah. I don't so, want to. I don't want to get but, into t- too many of the kills because I think that that's for, giving things away. But for me, the the first and second act were so strong that I kind of forgave some of the missteps in the third act when it all just sort of devolved into you know your standard fair type deal. Yeah, I was I was I was so invested into it that yeah, it was a bit disappointing, but at the same time. I was still into it. Well, same here. I think and it's I mean, a, it's just a, the cinematography alone on this thing, because that's a thing that you don't normally see in a lot of these horror films, is fantastic cinematography. Mm-hmm. So that really had me in it to begin with. I was like, man, I, this is very interesting, the way that they shot this. I like this. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it looked great. I thought, it, And it, like I said, the beginning with, with the Sam character, how they don't really they don't explain him. And then you're sort of you're feeling sympathetic for this kid, and it's just like, man, why doesn't someone just show him some appreciation? And then the whole dog thing happens, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't be thinking this. Now I kind of see where Baloo's coming from. <laughs> oh, Baloo! That, that was <laughs> the other thing is that it kind of subverts your expert expectations. It it makes you feel like you know these characters, and you know how to. F- to feel about them because at first they seem to fall into tropes. But at the same time, but as the film progresses, you realize that some of these people aren't who we thought they were. And like Baloo, for instance, at the beginning, he seems like a pretty cool dude. And the whole time I was thinking, cause I was in, I was in boy Scouts for six years and I was thinking, man, I wish our, I wish our counselors were like this. These guys are awesome. But <laughs> Then you realize that eh, Blue's kind of a dick. Yeah, and then he like he really becomes a dick, and you're like, man, he just likes to torment this kid. Yeah, like, what the hell is his problem? Right. And then and, you kind of understand. And then and then you start f- seeing that some of the kids are kind of bullies. Some of them are cool. 
That was the other thing. I, I thought for the most part, in a lot of these movies, the characters tend to be pretty one-dimensional and unlikable. And in this movie, I thought that the characters were pretty fully realized. And for the most part, I liked a lot of them. Yeah, I pretty much liked everyone. Except Baloo there towards the end. Yeah, Baloo. But, was... but then I kind of felt, I, you know, his dog dies. Felt sad. Like well, you, that's I mean, the, he's a the, dick, but his, his dog doesn't have to die. He's a dick, but at, at the same time, when you look at what happened from his perspective, right? So imagining that we didn't see how it all went down, just looking at it from his perspective. I, if someone killed, murdered my dog, if a kid murdered my dog, I might be moved to punch him in the face a few times, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Again... Don't know what I would do in that situation. I might punch a 12-year-old. You're right. This movie kind of reminded me of another movie that's not out yet. I saw it at South by Southwest called Among the Living. And it played sort of similarly where it was about a group of kids and they were just hanging out and they see they witness something terrible and then they get hunted by a killer. And it the way that Among the Living is kind of structured, it's like... Stand by Me meets a slasher movie, mm-hmm. but see I f- that's what I was kind of thinking with this one. Yeah, but I felt like this movie actually did it did it better than Among the Living. I wasn't that into Among the Living. I guess my expectations were pretty high for that one, but I thought that everything for the most part was very visceral in this movie, and it looked great. And it will certainly go on my top ten horror movies this year and if it comes out this year (laughs) i don't even know no now a good thing to point i don't know if we did point it out is this is a debut yes you know this is a feature debut so yes there's problem with it but man the quality that you see within cub i'm excited oh yeah for what lies ahead yeah because most of the most of the issues with this movie are just you know narrative Mm-hmm. And it just seems like he got a bit too caught up with, you know, paying homage to slasher movies and stuff like that. So it's I'm excited to see what happens next. I will I will say that the issues I had were pretty slight. They didn't detract too much from the overall experience. And I'll say it's a very extreme movie. I'm trying to I'm thinking about some of the other movies I saw this year and if any of them were really at the same level of disturbing imagery and i'm sure there's some in there but this is definitely up there this is gonna this is gonna be the type of movie that pisses people off i think (laughs) i like that the original title is whelp yeah yeah. which is great in the context of americans Mm -hmm. because when it's over and it just pops up and it's like well (laughs) (laughs) okay gotcha (laughs) well that just happened (laughs) exactly (laughs) that's all i could think of now we're so you've you've seen actually a fair number of horror movies this year. I'm actually kind of surprised that you were interested in this I'm one. Tr- I'm trying to get into them more. I'm trying to where where does this that knowledge? We recently reviewed the Babadook, and we both liked that for the most part. Where does this compare to the Babadook? This is this is right behind the Babadook. Okay, so Babadook is the best this year. Cub is second. That's kind of where I'm sitting with it. Generally, I like the slasher movie more than I like the supernatural movie, especially when the supernatural movie is based around someone losing their mind. Yeah. 
just a personal preference. I don't like movies where people are losing their mind. I don't know why. Because it's disturbing and it's sad. It's just it's annoying. It's not disturbing. No. <laughs> I, just, I find <laughs> it annoying. I think of I think of that movie Gothica oh, you with Halle cold, Berry. Cold-hearted son of a bitch. I just nah, I don't like it. Well, Gothica was just terrible. That was just downright terrible. But no, I don't for think a lot of those, of... a lot of those psychological horror movies, that's what I feel like. Feel I feel, like, like, I feel like when the whole time, I, when I'm watching a movie like that, and the whole time I'm, I'm trying to decide whether or not what we're seeing is real or a hallucination or a figment of their imagination, that pulls me out of it. Because instead of just enjoying the movie, I'm trying to figure out if this is wasting my time or not. Because if yeah. it's all in their head, it's wasting my time. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. You how... Because you know that there's only a couple ways that it can go. There, you know, it's all going to be in their mind, or the people that they're having trouble real. with, yeah. or it's actually them. You know, that yeah. whole bullshit. Because what was that identity? Is that the Cusack <laughs> yes. movie like that? I mean, the separate personalities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's either only going to go a number of ways. Yeah. So yeah, I see what you're definitely saying there. So I can get behind that. But for me, I'm not a big slasher guy you know that yeah i don't know if there's really that many slashers at all that i've liked this one i did and, and i this, think it was mostly because i didn't know it was a slasher going in maybe well and it's not to me it wasn't your typical slasher movie it was it was more than that but i, but I also gotta I'll, say is why hasn't someone done this yet there <laughs> i know uh, they're they're <laughs> similar movies like severance there, uh have you seen severance with danny dyer that yeah. that's a very similar movie, but instead of a group of scouts, it's uh they're going on a work retreat uh, okay. into the woods, and it's a very similar situation where there's traps. Okay, okay. So check that one out. That's more of a horror comedy, though. There's a lot of comedic yeah. bits in that, yeah. but it's quite good. So I'm looking at the poster right here. So yeah, that definitely looks like a horror comedy. Oh yeah, with the head. Is it the <laughs> yeah. one with the severed head? Yeah, it just has that look on his face, like well. Well, <laughs> yeah, back I, in the cub. I you would like Severance, I think it's it's pretty good. Anyway, Cub, I'm going to give. I can't remember what I gave the Babadook. That's mm. I'll, I'm going to give Cub 0.5 above whatever I gave the Babadook, or the 0.5 same. Five above. So Actually, you the same. More than the Babadook. Is that what you're saying? I liked them about the same, honestly. Okay. All right. I thought that they were both very well made and original and must sees. Ooh. I'll, I'll rate it the same as the Babadook, whatever I gave that. So old, prob- probably old, like a seven and a half or an eight. The old must see. I got to say, with the, and the Babadook, that was a debut too, right? It was, yeah. Jennifer Kent, I think. Yeah. So I got to say, I'm, pre- I'm getting, I'm starting to get excited about horror movies here. A lot of, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Future is looking good. Futures are looking bright. I think there's a new crop of horror movie directors that are coming in and they realize like we gotta we gotta switch it up. And I think that what's happening is a lot of these indie directors are saying, Let's let's do something fun and make a make a genre movie. Let's make a horror movie and we'll do something completely different. You know, and I think that's what like Ty West set out to do, and I think Adam Weingard as well. And then there's a whole new batch that are coming out now. I I like the new batch, and I'm on board with Weingard. Ty West can stop. He, I'm well, he's, his next movie's a Western. He's not doing 
His next movie's not a horror movie. Okay, Western. Yeah. That's interesting. Yep. There you have it. Well, hey, I didn't give it a fucking score. Oh, I thought thought you did. Sorry. Jeez. I still don't know what the score is. Um, (laughs) I'm going to say a seven. Seven? Okay. Seven. There you go. Now, I don't know. So we saw a festival screener of this, and I don't know when or if this is going to hit the States. It was, I believe, banned in Belgium, but then they somehow got it released over there. (laughs) So I'm not exactly sure when we're going to see this in the States. Just remember it, though. Yeah, put it on your watch list on Letterboxd. Cub, check it out. All right. What Adam, what Adam Patterson calls a must-see for horror fans. If you're if you're a horror fan, yes, it is. There you go. The but, tricky... it, it, but it seems like for horror fans, every horror movie is a must-see. No, it See, just it seems. I, I I get the sense that you guys aren't that discerning when it comes to horror films. We're not, but I'll tell you why. Okay. Because there are so many horror movies that All come right. out every year, and you never know which one is going to be that diamond in the rough. So you gotcha. gotta. So you gotta watch as many as you can and just kind of wade through the crap. And then you find one like cub and you're just like, yes. And then you tell everybody to see it. And then hopefully it gains traction. I gotcha. It just seems, I'm just trying to figure it because I'm not a big horror guy, but it just, to me, it feels like horror is the only genre that has that. I think that it is. It's because it's one of the most widely, I think it's gotta be one of the most widely used genres. I think that there has to be more horror movies that come out every year than probably anything else. There's just yeah, so many. I like, I don't know of that many people that are like, I just watch every single drama that comes out. Right, exactly. Because I just, or I got to find that, I got to find that diamond in the rough. It's just, it's, I've, I've always found that interesting. And I think I'm another, try, I'm trying to understand it more. Looking at it, you can look at it this way. I like comedy movies too. I'm a big fan of comedy movies. I'm a big fan of action movies. I just like all types of uh, genre movies. But would I sit there and watch every new comedy movie that hits VOD? Absolutely not. Because a bad horror exactly. movie a bad horror movie can still be entertaining. A bad comedy is not. It's just a train. It's wreck. just horrible. And the yeah. same goes for action <laughs> movies when you have these like super cheap action movies where everything's digital and it looks horrible. Those are not enjoyable. Either they're not entertaining, they're not fun. A bad horror movie can still be fun. I gotcha. I gotcha. So I, I think that that's that's why. Okay. Honestly, I haven't been watching that many horror movies lately. There's been a little lull in the horror movie releases. A little bit seems like yeah. But there's there's a couple more that uh, uh what you call it? Actually, Pyramid comes out. Or, is it called Pyramid? I think so. That comes out next week and i think that's getting a wide release so that's a horror movie and i'm actually interested in that one the only one the only other one that i'm looking forward to is it follows mm-hmm. i heard, I good, heard things. good i heard good things about that yeah one. i heard good things about that one i don't have any other ones uh that i can think of right now but i'm sure there's going to be plenty plenty of good ones coming out i don't know if eli roth's green inferno is ever going to come out because the distributor fell through, and that was supposed to actually hit theaters months ago, and they dropped it. So I don't know what's going on with that. Hmm. All right, let's go ahead and talk about predictions. Last week, we said the Penguins of Madagascar. You said 72. I said 76. Actual 68. Horrible Bosses 2. 
You said 28. I said 36. Actual 35. Dick. Yes. <laughs> Next week, we have uh, Pyramid. What are you thinking on this one? Oh, The Pyramid. The Pyramid? The Pyramid? The Pyramid, whatever. The Pyramid. Get it right, professional. I'm interested in this one just because it it's about a group of people who get trapped in a pyramid. And... <laughs> And some sort of supernatural thing takes place. Or creatures. Maybe it's creatures. I don't know. Either okay. way, it's a, a claustrophobic thriller. It's a, what did I call them? Containment thrillers. Containment thriller. Yeah. And it's got Dennis O'Hara in it. All right. I think it's produced by Alexander Aja, maybe. Okay. Uh, with that in mind, I'm gonna, <laughs> since you added that little bit there at the end, I don't even know if it's true, but I'm going to go with a <laughs> 24. <laughs> Uh, not a, not an Alexander Ashoff fan. Mm, no, no, I'm not. I am. I thought the Maniac remake was was aces, even though he just produced that, and I think he wrote it. And I was a big fan of Piranha 3D. Uh, not a fan of Hills Have Eyes remake, but I need to rewatch that. Are you a fan of pyramids, though? I like pyramids. Okay. I think they're interesting. I like the That's idea the- of finding a new pyramid and exploring it. Oh, this is they find a new pyramid? Yeah, they find a new pyramid buried, and they go in and get trapped. Uh, hmm. Hey, it's not found footage, and it's not a haunted house story, so... It's a haunted pyramid story. (laughs) I think there's creatures, though. I don't know if it's supernatural. I I got As in ghosts. In limited release, I think it's limited. Next week, I don't know. We're going to do predictions on these anyway. Did you hit a number for the pyramid? Oh, yeah, 41, sorry. 41. I wrote it down, but didn't say yeah. it. Oh, okay. Next week, we also have Wild. Wild? Wild. Uh, I will say 72. Oops. That's exactly what I was going to say. So I'm going to go 70. Okay. That's the one with Reese Witherspoon that I keep getting mixed up with tracks. <laughs> kind of the same plot line. That's sort understandable. Of, sort of, a little bit. And still Alice comes out. I think that's limited, but we'll go ahead and... Let's do it. We'll, we'll predict it anyway. That's the one with Julianne Moore. I think we have a review for that up on the site. Uh, Ernie saw it at AFI, I want to say, and he didn't think too much of it. What are you thinking? Yeah, I think that was one of the rare negative Ernie reviews. Yeah. You don't rare. see those often. You don't. You do not see those very often. So that has me worried. He only gave he gave John Wick a six, and I was a little disappointed in that. I think, but still, to me, that. a six is still it's still good. It's still yeah. like a pop. That's like like a light recommend. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if, if you gave John Wick a six in your review, I'd be like, okay, I'd be happy with that. But an Ernie six is like a Kevin one. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I can see what you're saying. We should have that. We should have that as like a chart on the website. Yeah. So like that what? people can people can like do the the conversion. The, the conversion rate. <laughs> we should have a conversion a rate. A critic conversion so. rate. I like that. I like that, that idea. That is a good idea. We should we should think about doing that. Um but back to still Alice. Still Alice. Um Still oh. Alice. Still Alice. What is this about? Early onset Alzheimer's. Whew. Yeah. Mm. No, not for me. I'm going to say 70. 70. I'm going to say 65 on that. Yeah. 
In limited release next week, we have Pioneer, Dying Light, which is uh, Nicolas Cage, but it looks pretty bad. It's got a really bad cover. <laughs> Life Partners and Comet. That's the one with uh, Justin Long. Justin Long, yeah. Emmy Rossum. I'm interested in that one. Isn't that? That's, yeah. Parallel Universe. Yeah, I'm interested in that. That's, that's different. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Next week on Video On Demand, we have a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, sure. We have, uh, pull it up, sorry. By the Gun, we have Pioneer, As Night Comes, Comet, Poker Night, Dying of the Light, or is it just Dying Light? Is it Dying of the Light? Dying dying of the Light. Okay. Nicolas Cage? Yeah. And Tanya Yelkin? I said Dying Light earlier, but Uh, Dying of the Light. It doesn't matter. Murder of a Cat and Tell. Do you ever notice... That all the movies that come out on VOD just have extremely generic titles. A lot of them, yeah. A lot of them do. I just act like I can't. Like when you say it, all I hear is nothing. Like, no, yeah, <laughs> you I just, just hear nothing. I just hear nothing. Just hear a mess of words that remind me of like a white room. I would suggest seeing Pioneer, but <clears> if it is playing in theaters in your area, I would see it in theaters over VOD because I it's one that I believe would benefit from the big screen yeah oh yeah that's actually i forgot to mention too when we were discussing that that's being remade it's getting an english remake already clooney and heslov bought the rights to it they're gonna be doing a u.s remake that's fine i'll see pioneer i'll see it maybe they'd probably have to make i bet they'll they'll jazz it up a little bit oh yeah you know that the main character is not going to be a bald guy with sideburns and a (laughs) 70s cop mustache (laughs) (laughs) oh yes all right next week on dvd and blu-ray we have as above so below the congress i didn't i didn't like yeah i I wasn't a big fan not a big fan of it i'd be curious to hear what you think about the congress but i did not like it uh dawn of the planet of the apes field of lost shoes that's for you kevin field of lost shoes the hero of color city Oh, that's that's my jam. Right I wonder there. who is the the hero of Color City. Green. I I was gonna say blue, but I think it's green. Jingle all the way too, starring Larry the Cable Guy. What? <laughs> oh boy. Yes. He's he's still around. Yeah, apparently. Wow. And kite, which is the I like Samuel L. Jackson. I just okay. So I had to look up Jingle all the way too. So it looks like Larry the Cable Guy is just kind of inserting himself into sequels because he's also the lead of tooth fairy 2 so he just you know kind of hopped in for the rock and jingle all the way so he just kind of hopped in for schwarzenegger seems that way yeah that's 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 kind of hilarious if you think about it (laughs) you you sign up for a movie and they're like okay and after this is done you're going to be replaced by larry the cable guy and we're going to keep making them yeah i was never a fan jingle all the way i actually never even saw it so well, why would you? I could care less about Jingle All the Way 2 or the fact that they just ruined it by making this terrible sequel. I was disappointed when they came out with A Christmas Story 2, and I was also disappointed when they came out with National Lampoon's Christmas 2. Those were huge yeah. disappointments. Mm. Any others that I missed? Criterions? There's no Criterions next week. Oh, boy. Nothing, nothing coming out. Nothing coming out, huh? 
So, uh, yeah. so yeah, probably. I mean, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is is quite good. I'm sure there's some really cool special features on that disc. So that's probably the only one that is worth checking out. Whew, what a great week upcoming. Yeah. For the movies. Yay. All right. Well, I think that that'll wrap it up for the week. Send us your questions to podcastfilmpulse.net. We'll be sure to answer them on the show. Follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you on Thursday for Ryan Watches a Movie.